Hi, this is Lisa Johnson-Pratt, and I'm a mom, advocate, and doctor. I'm also a secondary survivor of rape. Welcome to this inaugural episode of Life After Abuse. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information to help victims to get their lives back so that they can live out their true purpose. I'll do this through a series of interviews with people who are on the front lines of this epidemic, include doctors, advocates, and law enforcement. And I'll also do it through brief informational episodes that will focus on a specific topic where I'll go in depth. All of the information will be relevant to all victims. However, my podcast will focus on younger female victims and women of color who are often dealing with additional cultural challenges in getting help and treatment. As a physician, I'm a believer that education in every form possible and through as many channels as possible can change the tide of epidemics. As a mom, I have no choice but to jump into this fight. My girls are rape survivors. I can no longer stand by and see other lives damaged, some beyond repair. So I got the call that no parent wants to get, and I remember it vividly. I was actually in the kitchen making blueberry pancakes and my daughter was calling me. I was prepared to continue an exciting discussion we were having the evening before about how the Tar Heels had just gone to the final four. Um, There was a lot of celebration on Franklin Street. My daughter was really excited about everything. I told her that I loved her. I hung up the phone and then I went to sleep. So when the phone rang, I answered with excitement but the tone on the line didn't match our conversation of the previous night. Mom, she said with a quavering voice, and I knew immediately that something was wrong. I've been raped. I can't describe the emotion that immediately swept my body. It was a mixture of disbelief, anger, concern, and fear. That didn't last long. I got my doctor mode to set in. Quite honestly, I couldn't afford the emotion. I needed to get her to safety and I needed to make sure that she had support. I was 500 miles away from her, so I couldn't run down the street to care for her. I had to count on strangers to do that. Miranda did everything that victims are asked to do. She went to the hospital. She had a rape kit. The police took pictures. She gave testimony to the police detective and witnesses gave their names. We are not aware that charges have ever been filed by the DA against her perpetrator. She tried to stay in school, but when it became clear that my daughter was not safe on campus, I had to bring her home. After arriving at home, she started therapy, but I was super naive. I thought that she was going to improve quite quickly, but that didn't happen. She had PTSD, and that was associated with frequent dissociation and panic attacks. I came to understand that her trauma was actually going to take a significant amount of time and resources to heal, if it healed at all. From my perspective, I was actually struggling uh, too. I I was really anxious to leave her. I was anxious for her to drive, um, which was her only way of getting around, and I was afraid because she was dissociating. I was worried that she might never get better, and I was worried that her life, literally her life, had been ripped away from her. I tried hard not to express any of these emotions so as to not upset her. And quite honestly, I thought that if I started down the path of emotion, that I would lose myself in my pain. I now know that I was experiencing the labyrinth of secondary survivor pain. I didn't seek treatment for myself, and it's one of my biggest regrets. 
because instead of emerging stronger as Miranda healed, I emerged weaker. And as a result, I was totally drained and running on empty when a year later, my younger daughter was assaulted in a boarding high school. Over the course of a semester, it was clear that Julia was having trouble processing information. She was having trouble even getting out of bed. Her anxiety was through the roof and she was exhibiting signs of major depression. In mid-May of the school year, she got the courage to tell the adults in her world that she had been raped. That started my journey in understanding as well that every rape victim is different. Her circumstances were completely different than my older daughter. She was younger. Her personality type was different. The social aspects of her situation were different. And she was in high school. And so therefore there was no Title IX to force administrators to act. The rule book that I had used with Miranda was not gonna fit Julia. She needed something very different. Quite honestly, I would have muddled along if it had not been for our amazing psychiatrist whose aggressive approach to PTSD had the singular goal of getting young women back to full health. So after trying a variety of approaches with limited success, she recommended that Julia start deep TMS or transcranial magnetic stimulation. And I must say that it was a game changer. Even before the end of the sessions, Julia was functioning. She could talk about her symptoms. She could process what had actually happened. And she could even talk about what had happened. Prior to this, if you said the word rape, she would decompensate. Now she could actually talk about having been raped. That was a huge milestone. So for my family, this is really the end of the beginning. Both girls have gone through significant therapy. There's been a substantial amount of time that has occurred since their assaults, but it is the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. We know that we will not achieve optimal health in a straight line. We are gentler with ourselves and more honest with each other, and we are accepting each other where we are. We also know that we're part of a community of victims and survivors of sexual assault. We know that we are really, really fortunate. We worry about the victims that aren't able to access services and whose families, families don't know what to do to support them. So as we work hard to live the life that allows us to fulfill our purpose, we want other victims to be able to do the same. I've learned a lot on my journey thus far. There are many people out there who are trying to protect women. Law enforcement and the legal system at the local levels are very concerned and really trying to look for solutions. Neuroscientists are uncovering the impact of trauma on the brain and how it shows up in victims both during and after the trauma. Psychologists are using new methods to better treat PTSD and co-occurring conditions. And men are starting to really take a stand on addressing issues of toxic masculinity. And we are finally starting to get serious about prevention without victim blaming. It is my hope that people who care for victims can have as much information as they need and hopefully find it in one place to support their loved ones. And when the time is right, I hope that they can use these podcast topics to find an area of interest to support. Together, I'm really confident that we can positively change the trajectory of this societal scourge. Thank you for listening to this inaugural episode of Life After Abuse. 
Until next time, please do one thing to support female abuse victims. Remember, they are counting on you. If you'd like to find out more about Life After Abuse or would like to be interviewed, please visit the website, lifeafterabusepod.com, L-I-F-E-A-F-T-E-R-A-B-U-S-E-P-O-D.com. Take care. Be well.